Amen, amen. Hey, Proverbs 3, 9, if you have your Bibles, Proverbs 3, 9, as we begin a new sermon series entitled, The Wise Steward. The Wise Steward will be in this series for the month of February, and then we'll transition to our Easter series, which will begin in March, because Easter comes a little early this year. But Proverbs 3, 9 is kind of our theme verse, kind of where we're going to plant here this morning. Um, As you're turning there, there was a boy named Simon. And Simon was about five years old, and Simon loved saltwater taffy. And as I have mentioned before, I also love saltwater taffy. It's one of the reasons why I enjoy going to Branson so much, because every time we go to Silver Dollar City in Branson, we have to stop at the saltwater taffy store, uh, which is consumed with thousands of pieces of taffy in a variety of flavors. It's brilliant. It's good. I love it. If you haven't been, you need to go. But Simon also loved saltwater taffy, and so here he was at the beach with this family during this family reunion and everything one summer, and he came up out of the water, and he ran to where his mom was relaxing. As he stood before her, she surprised him. She surprised him and handed Simon five pieces of saltwater taffy. Simon was super excited. I mean, he could hardly stand it. You can make sure just a five-year-old who's excited about candy in general, but to have saltwater taffy in his hand, he was ready to dive in and eat them all up. However, Simon's mom told him that not all five pieces were his, that he was to give one piece to his brother, one to his sister, and two or one to each of his two cousins who were also with them. And then he could keep one for himself. And if he did this, if Simon did this, then she would surprise him with something really special. But Simon was bummed by this news. He didn't care what the surprise was. He wanted all five of the taffy pieces for himself. So he looked down at the candies in his hand. He contemplated, he thought. Then he eventually ran off. He ran off to build a sandcastle down the beach a ways where he hid all five pieces of taffy inside. And then Simon ran back to his mom and he tells her he's all done. His mom gives him a kind of mom kind of look, you know what I'm talking about? Really, Simon? You gave everyone all their pieces of taffy. Yep, sure did. I'm ready for my surprise. But what Simon did not know is that moms know everything. You know what I'm talking about. And Simon's mom knew exactly what he had done. She watched him the whole time. So she said, Simon, no, you did not. I watched you. And that's unfortunate because now you're going to miss out on the surprise. And of course, Simon felt a little bad about getting caught, but he felt even worse when he saw the surprise. His mom pulled out a huge bucket, at least huge for his eyes, a bucket full of dozens upon dozens of colorful pieces of saltwater taffy. And she said, Simon, I was going to give you access. I was going to allow you to possess all of this if you would have just given away those four pieces of taffy that I gave you, like I told you. 
He felt bad. He felt sad. But then little Simon had an aha moment. Okay, I may not get the surprise, but at least I still have those five pieces of taffy in my sandcastle. My mom cannot take those away. However, the five-year-old boy did not realize that the tide had been coming in, that he had built his castle too close to the water. And so when he arrived, his castle was gone along with the taffy, leaving the little boy with absolutely nothing in the end. Jesus told a similar story about a rich man in Luke chapter 12. A story about a successful, wealthy farmer and how the land one year produced an incredible crop for this man. He was already wealthy, but this though put him like in the extreme wealthy category. What was his response? His response was that of Simon's. Ah, what should I do with all of my wealth? I will take it all for myself and I'll hide it away in sandcastles, if you will. For me, myself, and I. I will build for myself bigger and bigger. It's all about me, myself, and I. But the man then suddenly died, Jesus said. His property, his possessions, his everything, if you will, was broken up, divvied up, sold. The tide had come in and it was taken all away. The man had held everything, but in the end was left with nothing. And Jesus said, so this will be with anyone who is not rich back towards God. Or in other words, so it is with anyone who does not honor the Lord with their wealth. I start with these stories at the beginning of this sermon series because buried within them is this foundational timeless truth that we must kind of land on and start with this morning. The taffy that we possess, the land that has produced our wealth, was never ours to begin with. And the true owner expects us to handle it, to manage it, to steward it wisely. But if we can't or we won't acknowledge that it's all his, then we'll never truly honor him with our wealth. And in the end, we'll find that we have nothing. So over these next few weeks, we'll consider our resources, our time, our relationships, and we will practically examine how we're to manage these things wisely. We will break down, in other words, the context of Proverbs 3, 9. But before we do, we again have to just first start with this foundational, timeless truth found in the first part of Proverbs 3, 9, that we are to honor the Lord with our possessions, or depending on your translation, our wealth. We are to honor the Lord with our wealth. We are to be rich back towards God. And you say, well, what does all of this really mean? We might have heard that. We now read it. What does this really mean? Well, wealth here is not referring just to our money. It's referring to everything that we possess. House car, land, the dollars and cents that you have in your pocket or in your bank account, your clothes, your shoes, your toys, 
your food, your relationships, the hours and seconds of your days, everything that we say is ours. That's what he means by wealth. And the key within the foundational timeless truth is found in the word honor. This word that he uses honor means not what we might think it initially means. It means that which is weighty. What it means to be heavy. It can even mean burdensome. So the image here is this, that we are to put the entire weight of everything we possess All our taffy, so to speak, all of our wealth, we are to put it on the Lord. So nearly every night after story and devotion time with the kids, Caroline, our middle one, she's six years old, she'll ask for a piggyback ride to the room. And what will happen is, is she will climb up on the couch and climb onto my back. She will transfer her entire weight onto me. That's the picture of this word honor. To transfer the entire weight of all that we say is ours onto him. And you say, well, why would we do that? Well, again, over the next few weeks, we'll see the practical implications of why we ought to do that. But the foundational timeless truth is the ultimate answer to the why we should transfer the entire weight of it all onto him is because all of it is already his. It's already his. To honor the Lord with your possessions, your wealth, everything is to simply acknowledge that all of it belongs to him already. The air that's coming out of your lungs right now, it's, it's all his. The, the air in this room is all his. The taffy is his to begin with. The land that produces the wealth is his to begin with. And again, we'll look over the next few weeks how we practically acknowledge this truth in our lives. But it starts with acknowledging first and foremost that our everything my wealth, my investments, my money, my bank accounts, my kids, my spouse, my house, my all this, none of it is actually ours. And as soon as you get that, it's as soon as wisdom will begin to develop in your life. We are not owners. You're not an owner. You are a steward. Of everything. We're not owners. We are stewards. Stewardship, it's an old English term that simply means to manage something that has been entrusted to one's care. Meaning, a steward, which is what we are, is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs. So again, think of like the book of beginnings, the the book of Genesis. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord... God took the man and put him in the garden. So he created the man and he also created the garden. He takes the man and puts him in the garden that he created to what? To work it. To take care of it. Meaning to manage it. To govern it. To steward it. 
in the beginning, God placed humanity in a position of manager to govern, to oversee, to manage his earth, his stuff, his wealth, his creation. We're not owners. We're stewards of everything that we quote-unquote possess. Despite what we want to do with it or how we want to think about it, all of it belongs to God. Everything we own is a gift that we're to manage, to steward, and to steward wisely. Meaning, we're to manage the taffy how he wants us to manage it. You're to manage whatever your wealth is, whatever your possessions are. doesn't matter if it's a lot or a little. You're to manage it how he wants you to manage it. This is what it means to be a wise steward. It starts with recognizing, I'm not an owner, I'm a steward. Everything is the Lord's. Scripture's clear on this. Think about Psalm 50. It says this, this is the Lord speaking. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. I have no need of your house or your cars or whatever it is you have to offer. Why? Because every animal of the forest is already mine. The cattle on a thousand hills is already mine. I don't have a need of it because it's already mine. It already belongs to me. And not just the cattle, but even the hills themselves. Because Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything. The world and all who live in it. Your children, your grandchildren, they're not yours, they're his. You're just to be a steward. Everything belongs to him. Therefore, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Lord warned his people. He said, listen, you may say, and you may say this to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me or these possessions of mine. But remember the Lord your God. You better not forget who the true owner is. Because it's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It's he who gave you the land to produce the wealth. It's he who gave you the taffy to begin with. It all belongs to him. So you better remember who gave you the taffy. You better remember who gave you everything you quote-unquote possess. So if we want to be a wise steward, it all begins with acknowledging this foundational timeless truth that everything belongs to the Lord. Therefore, honor the Lord with your wealth. Be rich back towards him, meaning transfer the weight over to him because it's his. Acknowledge it. Admit it. Believe it. That it's all his. Because if we don't, we'll ultimately be left with nothing. But if we do, we'll be left with everything as we'll see in the context of Proverbs chapter 3, 9. Now, this is not, and we'll see this, it's not a, hey, if I do this, then this is a get-rich scheme or some kind of prosperity thing. Man, if I just place more faith, he'll just give me more and more wealth. Again, we'll break down the context and meaning of Proverbs 3, 9 and 3, 10 and so on. But what it means is, as Jesus would say, that those who lose their life for him Those who open their hand and say, it's yours, whether you have much or little, that's beside the point. 
But those who surrender it all will eventually find their life, save their life. Those who surrender everything to him will, in the end, have everything. And I'll finish this with two more stories that stand in contrast to each other. The first story is about a rich man that we read in Scripture in Acts chapter 4. At that time, God was moving in and through the early church in amazing ways. All the people in the church at that time were acknowledging that everything belonged not to themselves, but to the Lord, and thus to his people. They were all, if you will, honoring the Lord with their possessions, their wealth. Among them was a man by the name of Joseph, who the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And Joseph sold a field that belonged to him. Now, to get included in this summary paragraph by Luke in Acts chapter 4, by name shows that Joseph's significance and impact within the early church. But it also shows the significance and impact of this field that he sold and the money that came from the sale. The field was worth a significant amount. And Joseph, after selling the field, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. He took the taffy and he gave. He took the wealth and he gave. With an open hand, he was telling the apostles, he was telling the church, he was telling the Lord, it's all yours. The land you gave me, it's all yours. Joseph honored the Lord with his wealth, his possessions. He was rich back towards God. And you and I are called to do likewise. We must first and foremost acknowledge the foundational timeless truth that all of it is the Lord's. And have an open hand that says, it's all yours. How would you have me handle it? How would you have me manage it? How would you have me steward it? Now compare Joseph to another rich man in Luke chapter 18. A very young, wealthy man. Successful. And he came to Jesus and he said, I want eternal life. I want to figure out how I can get that life insurance policy. Jesus, in essence, responded, honor me with your wealth. Open your hand and transfer the weight of your possessions onto me. Then you'll have eternal life. Meaning, young wealthy guy, until you're ready to acknowledge that all belongs to me, that I am the master of the taffy, the master of the field, the master of your life, then you following me isn't going to work. you got to get that foundation first. So thus, how can you have eternal life if you can't deny self, pick up your cross, and come follow me? Honor me. Open your hand. Transfer it all to me. Joseph received that invitation. The rich young ruler, who, by the way, we don't know his name, 
rejected that invitation. He walked away sad like little Simon on the beach that day. Like a little child and buried his taffy in a sand castle. And we can only assume, based off him walking away and choosing the finite over the infinite, himself over Jesus, his wealth over the one who gave him his wealth, we can only assume that the tide eventually came in. And he was left with nothing. So before we look at specifics in this series, resources, time, relationships, we have to ask this foundational question. Do we, do you, believe that everything belongs to the Lord? Do you believe it? That all you quote-unquote possess, my this, my that, my this, is actually the Lord's? Or do you believe it's yours? We can talk money, we can talk investments, we can talk assets, we can talk car, house, clothes, toys, your time, we can talk about the hours and seconds in your days, we can talk about your relationships, your spouse, children, grandchildren, friends. Are they yours or the Lord's? Because that question really matters. Because it's kind of the foundational kind of question that we have to ask ourselves because it will determine whether or not we can truly follow Jesus or not. What are we holding on to that we must surrender with an open hand? What weight are we trying to carry that belongs to him? Do you believe that everything belongs to the Lord? If you do, then honor the Lord with your wealth. With heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to invite the team forward. And I want that question to kind of marinate a little bit. What are you holding on to that you must surrender with an open hand? What weight are you trying to carry that belongs to him? And as our eyes are closed and as we're kind of just letting that question marinate in our heart and mind and soul, even now you can slip out and you can come to these steps and you can just say, you know what, I surrender it all. With an open hand, I lay it at your feet, it's yours. Compel me to be Joseph. Prevent me from being that rich young ruler. What is it that you're holding on to? Is it your time? Is it your resources? Is it that relationship? Do you believe it's the Lord's or yours? It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Acknowledge it's all mine. Father, we come to you
Father, I pray that each one of us would allow you to open up our hearts and minds to see the areas, the items, the relationships, the lives that we're holding on to that we need to let go. That we need to open up the fist and say it's yours. Father, help us to not keep burying those things, trying to hide them, because the tide's coming. Help us to surrender all of it. Help us to lose our lives. Help us to surrender our lives for your sake. Father, whether it's a a resource, whether it's our time, whether it's a relationship, whatever it is in our life, help us to surrender, to acknowledge that it's all yours. It all belongs to you. And Father, not just us as individuals, but as a church, help us to be like the early church. None of us considering that which we possess, our wealth, as ours but yours. Help us collectively take that disposition. In this moment together, help us, compel us to be Joseph. Prevent us from being that rich young ruler. Help us to honor you with our wealth, our possessions, everything. I'm going to ask that you stand with us. Weston and I are going to be down here at the front. And even as we sing this song, even as we pray, man, if you've got to come forward, you want to use these steps, you want to come talk to us, you do that during this time of response.